0: This is FemPower Power Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel, Starts now.
1: Some people actually don't feel comfortable opening up about their postpartum, you know, mood situations because they're worried that their child could be taken away from them, which historically has happened disproportionately to Black families. And so when you're worried about, you know, will this provider think I'm not fit to take care of my child, etc. cetera? Um, that might also prevent people from being open with their providers. So that's another area in building trust and unlearning that harm that's been done to Black families for centuries.
0: We are all frustrated by the American healthcare system, and we are aware of healthcare disparities, but it really became aware how bad the situation is during the pandemic. And I had the pleasure of recently being introduced to Ade Osinubi, and she is a doctor in training and documentary filmmaker and quite an impressive young lady. She recently released a documentary film called Black Motherhood Through the Lens. And I wanted to give a special shout out and thank you to Dr. Allison McGregor, a previous podcast guest, ER doctor, author of Sex Matters, and a TEDx speaker. So check out my show notes if you're interested in learning more about that. So now let's start hearing from Ade about her film and getting a better perspective of the healthcare disparities that exist in our country. I have been craving to talk about healthcare disparities. I think when you and I first got to know each other, I shared with you how it's frustrating when I've been interviewing my guests that our healthcare system is such that in a lot of cases you have to have lots of dollars, really good health care, and hard to find experts or tech that not everyone has access to. And it's been great to see more conversations coming about around the impact of healthcare disparities because at the end of the day, there are situations where it's big, hard healthcare problems to solve, like endometriosis that impacts everyone, but then there are people who don't even have access to period products. And you just did this really great um, documentary. So why don't we first start by you introducing yourself and telling us about the multiple talents that you have as a filmmaker and a doctor in training. This is just amazing. So tell us about yourself, Ade. Ade.
1: Thank you. Uh, So my name is Ade I'm currently a fourth year medical student at Brown University. I'm an incoming emergency medicine resident at the University of Pennsylvania, graduating in 27 days uh, with my medical degree, which is super exciting. I'm from central New Jersey. Uh, My parents are Nigerian, uh, but I was born here, so I identify as a Nigerian-American woman. Uh, Starting from high school, I started to develop an interest in women's health, and also photography and film. So, when I was 16, I co founded a nonprofit organization with a friend to support women who've suffered from obstetric fistula. And so, for those of you who do not know, obstetric fistula is a birth injury that can be caused by prolonged and obstructed labor, oftentimes impacting women in low resource settings. It happens in the United States, but it's oftentimes surgically repaired. And when it happens, women can be. Uh, socially stigmatized from their communities because they're leaking urine and waste. And so my friend and I uh, decided to create a nonprofit to help the uh, psychosocial rehabilitation of women who've had obstetric fistula. And as part of that, we created two documentaries um, about the condition. And through that experience, I saw how film and photography were ways uh, to get people to care about topics that don't necessarily impact them, and also could be used as a means of health advocacy. And so, when I went to undergrad, I went to undergrad at Brown. I did a bit of photography work, but not much. So much so in the health advocacy side. Uh, but when I went to Brown for medical school four years ago, there was a lot of media attention about the Black maternal mortality crisis. Um, and you know, maternal mortality is very important. But there's also health disparities impacting Black women in other areas of reproductive health, such as infertility, postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. So I wanted to create a film, you know, through the lens of a Black woman uh, filmmaker uh, to cover those various issues. So that's a little bit about myself. And, you know, I think my own mission is to highlight stories of people that oftentimes go untold, especially when it comes to health.
0: No, absolutely. And I really, really enjoyed watching your documentary film. And it's already won a couple of awards, if I saw correctly. So tell us name of the movie and kind of how you came about this specific layout of it, because you spoke about four different women. So how did you decide which to cover, et cetera? And then what I want to do is take everyone through each of their stories, because it was such interesting information that even I learned so much about. So so tell us name of movie and how you chose these stories. The documentary is called Black Motherhood Through the Lens.
1: And when I first started out, I wanted to cover various topics such as infertility, postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, and childbirth. Uh, So, you know, when I started, I had some ideas in mind, but of course, people come with their own individual narratives. So, you know, I definitely went with the flow. And again, I'm very grateful for the four brave women who um, are part of this film. You know, we'll talk about their stories a little bit later, but without them, Black Motherhood Through the Lens would not be um, what it is today. But for me, you know, when I was doing research to see what was already out there about Black women's experiences in the reproductive healthcare system, there was really not much at the time. Uh, in terms of, you know, documentaries talking about infertility or postpartum um, depression, you know, those topics are really not talked about at all. And if they are talked about, they're oftentimes through the lens of white women's experiences, which are, of course, important to highlight. But oftentimes it's white women's experiences and those who have resources, Um, So, for example, if someone is going through infertility and they don't have health insurance, things like in vitro fertilization and other assisted reproductive technologies are not available. And in regards to mental health, you know, mental health in black communities and minority communities, it can be challenging to talk about those issues. So it's really important to have a nuanced approach when we're thinking about things like what are black women's experiences with postpartum depression? Um, You know, there are various disparities that black women may be two times more likely to experience infertility two times more likely to experience postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. However, their voices and their stories are not elevated and they're not necessarily in the mainstream. And so that's why I decided to focus on those issues. There are, of course, other areas um, that need to be talked about, need to be discussed, but that didn't necessarily make it in the film this time around. Uh, So that's kind of what drove me. uh, Because again, I said my mission is to elevate the stories of communities that oftentimes go untold. And that's what I wanted to do with Black Motherhood Through the Lens.
0: That's awesome. And you really did an amazing job in in bringing up these issues. And I like that you were sharing some of the data that you just uh, spoke about in the movie as well, overlaying it with the stories. I'm so curious, as a Black woman yourself, were you even more surprised as you were doing your research that the issues are even more prevalent and pervasive than you had expected? Or was this something you kind of already knew and you were more just searching for the uh, information to be able to, to make this film? I'm, I'm so curious of, yeah. of your own experience.
1: That's a great question because, you know, at the time I was making the film, I was a first year medical student. So I didn't have necessarily that much clinical experience. Um, So, you know, a lot of the things that I was hearing were things on the news, you know, I wasn't necessarily seeing it on the day to day. Actually th- towards the end of my first year of medical school, there was a case of a black maternal death um, at a hospital nearby um, and she clearly said, you know her concerns weren't listened to. Um, and then she unfortunately passed away. Of course, I don't know the full story, but that really hit quite close to home um, myself because it was literally like right, you know, in my vicinity. Um, and as kind of time went on, as I had more clinical experiences and seeing like what, bl- what black women face in various aspects of reproductive health care, you know overall, I feel like I've had very positive experiences and I've seen providers be compassionate. Um, you know, to women um, of all races, you know, where we practice, but, you know, there were still some scenarios where Black women that I encountered did not feel listened to, did not feel comfortable. I think for me, you know, when I started off, I was like, okay, I feel like it might be hard to find these narratives that I want to elevate. So I guess I was surprised how, you know, not easy, but how, you know, it all came together, right? Right. Wow. So for Jamie, for example, she's a woman who talks about her experience with postpartum depression and anxiety. I actually found her on Facebook. Um, We kind of had mutual friends and I'd seen her in various spaces. And I actually reached out to her because I noticed she had a baby like four months prior. Um, And then when we spoke, she actually opened up to me that she experienced postpartum depression after her first child. And so it wasn't that she had been necessarily open about it on social media or, you know, and that's how I found out. We were just having a conversation and she was like, oh, wow. Is was my experience, and you know, honestly, that shouldn't be that surprising because actually, one in seven women or birthing people experience postpartum depression, and that number is higher for Black women. So I thought that was kind of surprising that you know it didn't take much like finding to find people with those experiences, which is unfortunate because of course they're very negative, um, and I would say. Not really surprising, but some of the narratives that the women talked about about their own experiences uh, engaging with providers, some of the like insensitive remarks um, that were said to them was also disheartening. But also a good reminder to me as an incoming physician, just, you know, it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in the flow and signing paperwork and seeing patients because of the medical system, you know, a lot of it is, you know, your efficiency. But at the end of the day, each person is coming in with their own stories and their own experiences. It's very important to be empathetic to those. Uh, so I think I've definitely learned a lot that will inform my own practice as a physician in the future.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm, I'm glad it was able to, to teach you things as well. You know, when I, as I do this podcast, what I'm finding is I have people that reach out to me as healthcare professionals, because I do talk to healthcare professionals about their patients. And I also talk to women about their own experiences. Even, even the healthcare professionals say it's so helpful to hear the stories of different lived experiences because it helps them have perspective. And it is said that Some of these issues still exist in our country. So since you brought up Jamie, why don't we talk a little bit about her postpartum experience? So what she was talking about is this overwhelming fear of her child having SIDS, and it controlled her thoughts for seven months, and she had had panic attacks. She didn't want to really talk about it, and then once she did, it seems like she realized that so many other women were struggling. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about, about Jamie? I did my best to keep as much of the narrative as, as is.
1: Um, I think her story is really powerful and that, you know, I think that something like SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, you know, we learn about it in medicine. Um, people, you know, who are going through parenting books and things of that like nature may read about it. And yeah, I never thought about people's, fear of SIDS and it makes sense because it's very scary and it happens to people I think that for her her courage in you know seeking help she actually wound up going to a partial day program uh, so a mental health program that she attended during the day and also taking medications um, you know for her condition and just being able to be open about it at this time you know when she was going through it she talks about that she didn't really want to open up to her family members she kind of hid what was going on um which is real and happens to a lot of people but the fact that she was willing to you know allow me to bring my camera and showcase it to the world i think is really powerful and a lot of people can relate but i also do feel that you know people talk about the postpartum blues which is actually only supposed to last for like two weeks right and so some people might not even realize what they're experiencing is a postpartum uh, mood disorder. They might just be like, okay, it's postpartum blues. It might be you know, confused as to why it's not letting up, right? So I think it's really good in kind of destigmatizing uh, postpartum mental health in the community. I think something that didn't necessarily come up but that is important comes in regards to black women's experiences with kind of the law in regards to their children. And that surveillance, because another aspect that actually came up in a panel I was um, on the other day is that some people actually don't feel comfortable opening up about their postpartum, you know, mood situations because they're worried that their child could be taken away from them, which historically has happened disproportionately to black families. And so when you're worried about, you know, will this provider think I'm not fit to take care of my child, et cetera? Um, that might also prevent people from being open with their providers. So that's another area in building trust and unlearning that harm that's been done to Black families for centuries um, to, you know, help people access the mental health care that they need.
0: Heartbreaking when she was talking about how she was hiding her meds in this like compartment in her car that was in the trunk and didn't wanna tell people about it, but then the power she felt when she started opening up and realizing so many others are struggling. And you know we can't underestimate the power of individual stories. And I know it's so hard to share. So this brings me to a good transition to Shailene's story about access to care. So she was in an interesting situation where she's 18 years old, was seeing someone for a long time, mm-hmm wanted to have children and you know i can only imagine the way that people would assume the place she's in you know Mm -hmm. the person who accidentally got pregnant because you know she wasn't being careful and all of the biases that one may have so so tell us more about shailene because she was also worried about her children being taken away and constantly in that panic because she was doing things in the right way, mm-hmm. but because of the way black women are often viewed, there were so many assumptions that she was really, really scared. So tell us more about Shailene.
1: So I actually met Shailene in the reproductive um, advocacy space in Rhode Island. She's a doula and she does a lot of work, um, you know, advocating for doulas to have better coverage, for people to have more access to doula care in Rhode Island um just to name a few of the great things that she does and so for her there was many layers to her story as well so i mainly focused on her experience with infertility when i met her again i didn't know about her experience with infertility i you know when i meet people in regards to the film i'm like okay let's chat tell me about what your experiences were uh, with birthing etc and then she talked about her experience with infertility um, with her first and second child, but it was a bit easier the second time around. And so for her, she didn't have health insurance, um, you know, when she was trying to get pregnant. So uh, IVF was out of the question. You know, the average cost of IVF can be, to be between 10000 to like $15,000. Even if people have insurance, it's not fully covered. Uh, so for her, that was simply not an option. Luckily enough, she had a provider who was willing to get her free samples of some medications that can actually help with your infertility if you have certain conditions. Um, So that actually is why she was able to get pregnant. Um, But for her, I think it was interesting because, again, as you said, you know, there's this idea and assumption that, you know, uh, Black women or other women of color are more likely to get pregnant at younger ages, etc., and so, let's say somebody wants to have a child um, at 18, which is a very reasonable time to have a child, you know, um, those biases really come in. And it really just can cause us to challenge, like, what are our ideas as a society of who should be able to have a child and when should pe- the person be able to have a child, right? And so I think that was interesting as well. And just kind of pushing past those um, assumptions about Black birthing people, I thought was really powerful. And then in terms of, you know, her experience after giving birth, right, there was all this work that she had to do to get pregnant. And then after having a baby, she experienced, you know, medical trauma from, you know, her experience with breastfeeding, being told that her Breasts were way too big for her baby's jaw. So that's why the baby wasn't latching on, which is not true. And then also just like, again, she talks about that surveillance, right, from the medical system, because Black families are surveilled in multiple arenas, and the medical system is not not part of that. And so I think that that was an interesting point, again, because it speaks to that historical trauma and that historical, um, you know, breaking up of Black families that people can have at the back of their minds when they are having children. And so again, so many different layers in that really short section. Um, But again, I think it is, was really important to highlight her story. And again, super grateful for that. And also lastly, like a lot of those experiences uh, she says helped influence her to become a doula and to provide that care and that community work for Different women in the Rhode Island community, so I think that's really powerful. Like, despite going through that negativity and going through that trauma, she was able to, um, you know, push forward and be provide those services to various families.
0: Consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. You know, in life, we, we all run into challenges and kudos to that Dr who found her the medication because I think she even said there were days where she had to choose between like a good dinner um, or medication and ramen noodle soup, Mm -hmm. um, which by the way, ramen noodle soup is amazing, but it is not something that um, you should have to say. That's all I can have for dinner. So that, that must've been so, so challenging, but just imagine for that doctor to have been there to support her. And now she is turning around and helping the community. And I just think, Stories like that are so important to share because people may not realize the impact of that kind of a support and then what could have happened if she didn't have that support. So actually, now I wanted to go into Shannon Benjamin's story about maternal mortality. So this was an interesting one um, about how her mom put the fear of pregnancy... In her, because you know, now we've talked about the 18-year-old who chose to get pregnant, mm-hmm. right? And now we switched to a young woman whose mom was like, you're not going to be that person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now we have in the community of the paranoia of that because of the implications of what this woman actually ended up dealing with. Mm-hmm. And now we have Shannon, mm-hmm. who she's so funny. She's like, I am 34 years <laughs> old. I have my own home. Uh-huh. And gosh darn it, like, I can make a decision to have a child, and I'm still freaking out about having a child because of my mother. (laughs) She was
1: really funny. So Shannon, I met her through a reproductive endocrinologist doctor here in Providence. They were actually friends. And so she was great. Her name's Dr. Lene Brayboy. Um, So I was talking to her about my documentary And I was playing to her, I was like, oh, I'm looking for someone who's a Black woman who's pregnant. Do you know of anyone? And she was like, oh, actually, my friend is like eight months pregnant. So I remember meeting Shannon at like a coffee shop, like down the road. And she was so pregnant. She was, you know, a couple weeks away. Um, But again, she agreed to let me follow her her with my camera. And so for Shannon, her story was interesting because she actually gave birth early. And so I was actually supposed to film like B-roll footage of her pregnant at, you know, one day. And then she messaged me. She was like, oh, yeah, I had to go to the hospital. And then the next day, her baby was born, right? So, you know, she talked about not wanting a C-section um, and kind of and had to go that route. And something that was interesting about her story was that she was really intentional about seeking out a Black physician, OBGYN gyn physician, uh, which she was able to be connected with. And then for her, when she actually gave birth, she had a very diverse patient care team. I think the majority of the people, she says, were Black. The resident, the OB, the nurse, um, which is very rare. And so she said that that actually physically calmed her, which resulted in her blood pressure actually decreasing in the operating room, which I thought was a really powerful story. And so luckily, for the most part, you know, she had a positive birthing experience. She did have some issues like postpartum, like health wise, uh, that luckily, you know, weren't long term. But at least I was happy that although she did express fears about giving birth as a black woman in the United States, her experience was fairly positive, at least from my own perception, right? I don't know, like the full details. And so for her, I thought that, you know, there is hope because, you know, when we talk a lot about maternal mortality, it oftentimes feels very hopeless right like what can we do even though there's many things that we can do but actually just seeing like how something small but it's actually large representation for example can really impact someone's experience is one thing and she did feel that like the nurses who attended to her were very nice etc and so at least we kind of could see that it doesn't necessarily take huge policy doesn't take huge legislation etc like things that can be accomplished on the day-to-day can at least help the situation and help someone's experience, for example. And so I was happy that it wasn't another like really devastating and sad story, which unfortunately happens. I actually recently watched a documentary called Aftershock, which won at Sundance Film Festival. It'll I think it'll be coming out soon. Um, and that one is about the aftershock of after like two black maternal deaths. And uh, what their partners had to, you know, go through, what they're going through, what the families had to go through, and kind of the advocacy work with that, which also like led to a lot of hope as well. Yeah, Shannon's story is was great. Um, it was a pleasure getting to know her, and it's it's wild because her her baby is now like I don't even know how old she's now like she's gonna be probably like three, two to three years old next year.
0: Do you still keep in touch with the people that were in the
1: movie? Yeah. Aww, in her baby. We finished filming in like September 2019 and the okay. pandemic happened. So she sent me some pictures recently and I'm hoping I get to see the majority of them before I graduate. I hope I will see them if not virtually, but like in person um, to see how everyone's doing. So,
0: Oh, that is so, so, so cool. I've been hearing so much in the press on different topics, even if it's not healthcare related about representation, I keep hearing, I saw someone like me. Mm -hmm. So now we're kind of reversing. So I know you did the movie in order of like trying to have a kid all the way to, to having the child. So we're going to go now back to the beginning and talk about Ijama Kola had an early miscarriage then had to explore IVFs. I met Ijama. She is a
1: professor. She's a PhD and she also is a social media entrepreneur. And so I met her, I don't even know how many years now, but I actually took her photographs um, for her blog, actually. And so I remember, you know, when I was creating this film, uh, the summer of 2019, she made a post actually around Mother's Day of 2019, talking about her experience um, with early miscarriage and then also, you know, struggling to conceive. And so I was like, oh, you know, I was looking for someone who had an experience with infertility. I reached out to her. And again, she was really open uh, for me to cover her story. So her story, I think it's great because it talks about miscarriage. And it's actually quite common for women or birthing people to have miscarriages. And even although it's an early miscarriage or it could have been a chemical pregnancy, right? It's still very painful, right? And I think that as a society, we... Like although like it's a it's a normal occurrence, I think that we don't fully understand like the impact that a miscarriage can have on someone. For some people, it might just be like okay, we're gonna keep it moving. Other people, it can just be really devastating, which makes a lot of sense. And so for me, I think like learning about that um, and seeing that firsthand was enlightening uh, as well. And then for her, she talks about her negative experiences at. A reproductive endocrinologist's office and some insensitive like comments that were made um, that you know she says was one of the worst medical encounters of her entire life and so for her she actually didn't wind up going down the IVF route or medication route she was able to wind up getting pregnant without those options but I think that an important part of that again is the message to providers like watch what you say you know although this might be your day-to-day like telling people that they need IVF or they need X, Y, Z it's really, it can be like someone's worst day of their life, right? Or it can just be very like a very profound moment for them. So I think just being in tune with that. And then another thing that I thought was um, really powerful was her discussion about how Black women are oftentimes portrayed as hypersexual, they're able to get pregnant very easily, that they have multiple kids, Um, Because historically, that has been, you know, the societal view of Black women. However, again, with a statistic I mentioned earlier, Black women women may be two times more likely to experience infertility. And so again, if someone like a Black woman is experiencing infertility, but they're used to seeing these societal portrayals of Black women, they might be like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I going through this? This is abnormal, right? But a lot of people experience infertility, and Black women may be more likely to experience it for various reasons. So I think you know, unearthing that stereotype is really important because it also impacts care, right? Because these uh, societal views can be a part of medical teachings as well, um, and so physicians might also feel that way, right? Although the science might say otherwise, and that might impact, oh, you know, offering a Black woman assisted reproductive technologies. after she's had trouble having conceiving for a year, which is oftentimes the medical uh, definition of IVF. It's six months if you're over a certain age. Um, But if you're in your head like, oh, black women get pregnant easily, like they shouldn't have a problem, that could possibly delay, you know, delay the treatment that they need. And so I thought that was um, really important. And it did end on a happy note. She has a beautiful son who's so cute. (laughs) and so I'm really glad like it worked out but again I'm really grateful for her vulnerability and it's interesting as well because she is highly educated right like she's a PhD and it just goes to show that it doesn't really matter your education level it doesn't absolve you from experiencing you know these negative things in the medical system of course if you're not as educated doesn't mean you should be
0: So tell me about, did you purposely want to be able to make the point without having to be so overly dramatic with like the most challenging and the most scary story? That's a good
1: question. It wasn't something I really thought about. I just formed those connections and it just really happened naturally, right? So again, I said I like, I think when I was thinking about um, the stories, like I actually wanted to have someone who was actively going through the IVF process to kind of get that going across. But I found people, or, you know, was connected with people who didn't necessarily have that exact experience, but I just think it is what created Black motherhood through the lens. And so, again, I, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe in, like, divine connections and all of that. And so I feel like we were all divinely connected for the film, uh, because it really
0: fell into place quite naturally. So Ade, you had mentioned earlier, how you study at Brown University, and we know that the data for uh, maternal mortality is still significantly high, and you may not have as much seen these issues firsthand. But maybe you can talk to us a little bit more about why you think this exists, and what we can do differently to make this experience so much better for Black women.
1: I would say I have seen you know enough right to be like okay this is a thing that i already knew right there was a black maternal death that was really unfortunate that happened close to home and you know there were various you know scenarios that i witnessed but again i'm not necessarily you know i did one year of clinical rotations right four weeks in OBGYN, right which is where you're gonna see the majority of like maternal health and reproductive health right So I did see a couple of things, but, you know, I'm sure if I spent more time, like things would come up. So we are constantly having these conversations and the majority of people are constantly doing work to try and improve themselves and remove their biases. Right. But these things are still happening. So I would say like it's not a utopia for sure, but it's definitely a lot better than, you know, other places can be. So I would say For me, it's just, you know, lack of exposure and lack of experience. Um, So I wouldn't use like my experiences to be like, okay, like things are getting better uh, because we saw the uh, National Institutes of Health said that, you know, black maternal deaths increased during the pandemic and black women made up like 30 percent of that number, um, despite comprising like 8 percent or like 6 percent of the U.S. population. Right. So things have gotten worse in that regard. And so I would say in places where, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion are less of a priority, you're more likely to see that more. And in terms of things that we can do, I think conversations are good. I think accountability is very important. Having no tolerance for um, anti-Black racism is very important um, because, again, like, you know, we have resident physicians who are, you know, more hip to these conversations and you know all of that but you might have people who have been working in a setting for multiple years and may not have the same knowledge or the same they don't necessarily prioritize it as much and so if you're in if you have a system where you of course you're going to have people at different levels of training there needs to be a standardized approach right So you know that takes the place of bias uh, workshops things of that nature which i think are good but i think like accountability is really important and zero tolerance is important um, for me (laughs) but i'm not a hospital administrator i think representation is important but of course it is not the solution to health disparities Um, so i think yes it's great to have more black doctors but at the end of the day you know, we as Black doctors are still being educated in a system that perpetuates these disparities. So it doesn't necessarily mean that every single Black doctor is going to be able to, you know, perpetuate ideals of equity and inclusion, right? So like being careful about thinking about representation. And then also on the legislation, legislative end, um, you know, Biden has the Build Back Better Act uh, with the Momnibus Bill, um, which some of the things that they're doing, which is exciting, is they're expanding Medicaid coverage uh, one year or proposing to expand Medicaid coverage one year postpartum, which I think will be really important so that you know women can get uh, like health coverage um, one year after and that can help with mental health care, et cetera. And then increasing uh, doula coverage so that more people have access to doulas because I think doulas are great. And we can work hand in hand with doula's um, in the medical system. So those are just some of the things. Um, but at the end of the day, it is it is a facet of the system of the United States, um, and so it definitely is going to take a lot of work. But things are being done, which is great. Um, there are a lot of good people out there.
0: That is awesome. You know, it's it's funny because I recently did an interview on menstrual health inequities, and you know, in the discussions there, we were talking about how, why does it matter to everyone? And even with some of the things that that you were saying about, you know, acknowledging like you work at Brown University, which is more liberal, open-minded. So what you're going to see and experience may be different than somewhere in a much more rural area um, and the experiences one might have there. And at the end of the day, even in that Episode, we spoke about how it impacts us all. And I think how you shared that just because you're in this corner of the world or of the United States where it may not seem there, whether it's a different part of the U.S. or a different neighborhood. In the town that you're living in it exists and at the end of the day it impacts us all and i think going back to shailene's story i mean look at how her life turned around because someone supported her desire at the age of 18 to have a child and now she is giving back and i think it's so important that we all matter and whether it's conscious or unconscious bias Um, We all need to do better. And it's so great to see that you are taking both your medical training plus your talent as a filmmaker. Um, Tell us how we can find your movie.
1: That's a good question. So Black Motherhood Through the Lens is not currently publicly available. Um, Still working on distribution and figuring out what the best home for it would be. But in the meantime, I've been doing various private screenings with organizations. Uh, So again, if you are interested in hosting a screening discussion uh, on my website, which will be linked uh, to blackmotherhoodfilm.com, I have a contact email and you can reach out and we can discuss a potential screening. I'm hoping it will be publicly available soon because I do believe that it should be watched by, you know as many people as possible, since the narratives are so important and critical to the conversations about improving birth equity and Black maternal
0: health in the United States. Uh, so stay tuned. Hoping to have some updates soon. That's awesome. And uh, do you have a social media account that people can follow so you can provide updates on the status of yes. the movie? Uh, my
1: personal Twitter at A underscore Ashnubi. Um, I t- post various things. Uh, I'll be posting a you know, podcast that comes out soon. Um, and if there are larger like screenings, I will be posting
0: about those as well. Thank you for tuning into this discussion on the FemPower Power Health Podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about Fempower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe